um, ask you why it is that you go to church as often as you do. Maybe you have at different times in your life. I ran across a, a uh, article that I thought was humorous, but yet also very profound. It says, a churchgoer wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper and complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. I believe there is a statistic out nowadays that the younger generation of today, the 20-some-year-olds, they are going to church approximately 1.2 times a month. Uh, it's a bad trend that is happening in our world today. Complaining that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday, quote, I've gone for 30 years now, he wrote, and in that time I have heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I cannot remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time, and the pastors are wasting their times by giving sermons at all. Isn't that interesting? This started a real controversy in the letters to the editor column, much to the delight of the editor. It went on for weeks until someone wrote this clincher, quote, I have been married for 30 years now. In that time, my wife has cooked some 30,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They all nourished me and they gave me the strength that I needed to do my work. If If my wife had not given me these meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. Isn't that good? That is spot on. Church is important. It's come. It's important that we come together and we worship corporately. It's important that we come together corporately and hear the word of God. It's important that we come and we fellowship with uh, like-minded believers. It all nourishes the soul. So I encourage you. Make church, not just Sunday mornings, but we'd love to have you come out on Wednesdays as well. And any time the church doors are open, I encourage you to come and be nourished by God's people in His presence. Well, this is the first message that I have preached in this new year of 2017. Obviously, I did a lot of thinking, a lot of praying about what it is that I can say to you that would make the most impact. More importantly, what would the Lord have me say to you that would make the most impact? I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I came across a well-known passage the other day that I really have not been able to get away from, and it's obviously in Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read, starting in verses uh, 23 through 25, it will not be up on the screen, so if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 9, starting with verse 23. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Then he said to them all, 
If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? We'll stop there. Let me pray with you. Our eternal God and Father, we come once again. Lord, uh, it's Sunday and started at 10.30, it's, and some came for Sunday school, and it's kind of what we do, and it's what we've done. And, but God, I pray that we would realize the importance. Your word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. What we are doing here today is vitally important, not just because you said so, although that's enough, but because we have experienced the richness, we have experienced the nourishment of being together and God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who has not experienced that nourishment, Lord, they would first come to you. And they would allow you to change them from the inside out. God, that you would speak to us this 15th day of January. What is it that you would have to say to us, Lord? As we go into this new year, I pray that we would open our hearts and I pray that I would once again, as you have dealt with me this week, Lord, I pray that I too would open my heart to you and that we would truly hear from you, God. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. What I got locked to into this, in this passage, church, are the first seven words that Jesus said here in verse 23. When he said this, if anyone desires to come after me. And I just kind of stopped there the other day and I thought, if anyone desires to come after me. And I kept thinking about this. What was Jesus trying to get across to us? Some of your translations probably say, if, uh, Jesus said, if anyone desires to follow me, I get that, and that's a little bit more, uh, um, you know, it, it sounds a little smoother in our vernacular. But to me, I could not get past those two words, really, come after. When Jesus said, those who come after me, I was intrigued with those words. And to me, church, this sounds as though... Jesus was implying if we want to be a disciple, if we want to be a follower, not a fan, if we want to be a Christian, we should go after Him. We should pursue Him. We should chase after Him. Him, and dare I say that we need to be consumed with this relationship with Him. And I say again, we should come after Him. Have you ever thought about this passage that way? Maybe you haven't. Have you ever gone after anything in your life? Have you just gone for it? Have you ever been so consumed with something or someone that you did whatever it took to have it. 
You went after it and you would not stop until you had it. Just a few weeks ago, Jenna got her driving permit. I have started a new Facebook that every time she's on the road, I will update that Facebook page so you'll know when not to be on the road, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. Jenna, you're doing very good. Except for that buggy you hit the other day. Other than that, you're doing really good. But I can tell you, and many of you know uh, firsthand, that she, uh, you have kids, same thing. She is obsessed with driving. She's all the time asking her mom and I, when are you going into town? Because I want to drive you into town. And whenever we tell her we're not going into town, she says, why aren't you going into town? She is obsessed with driving. I guess you could say that Jenna is going after this thing. She's consumed with it. She's pursuing it. Jenna is kind of coming after this thing. <laughs> I, I want to be careful also about, um, I'm reminded of, of when Stephanie and I were dating. And I want to be careful that I don't bore you all the time with, with our life and dating and all that, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, those of you who have that significant other, when you find that special someone, you find that you're consumed, aren't you? When Stephanie and I were dating, uh, we were just infatuated with each other, and I am glad to tell you after 20 years, I am still fascinated and infatuated with this woman up here. That's the way that it should be. We would do anything just to be together. We would talk on the phone for hours. And if you know me, I'm not a phone person. I do not like the telephone, but we would talk on the phone for hours. At the time that we were dating, I was here. I was down in uh, Dover living, and and she was in in Zanesville. And we would often drive those 64.6 miles many times just to see each other. Many times it was late at night because we were, I guess you could say, we were pursuing each other. We were coming after each other. There wasn't anything that we would do not to be together. Now, you do know, some of you who heard this story, that um, in our relationship, we broke up. I'm not going to go into that. It makes me look really bad, all right? But um, we broke up. And she did what she needed to do. When we broke up, she, uh, um, she said, you know, I-, I wanted to know, would we stay in contact? you want to stay friends? What do you want to do? She, and she basically said, look, if this is not going to work out, I don't even want to be your friend. That's just, you, we're going to cut it off right here, you know? I'm thinking, wow. So for the next several months that we weren't together, um, I would go into my little Der Zimmerhaus apartments over there in Dover on Front Street. Some of you may know the apartments that I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's... Yeah, um, we desperately needed, I needed help because when we, uh, I won't tell that. Um, um, well, I had three-year-old mayonnaise in my refrigerator at the time that we got back together. I needed help. I needed somebody to come into my life desperately. Was it three-year-old mayonnaise? I think it was three-year-old. That's all right. Um, it's supposed to change colors like that, isn't it? So, I don't know. But I remember... Going into my apartment after work, looking at my answering machine, wondering if she had left me a message. 
And it was several months, and I just kept thinking about her. And I'll never forget, down there in Dover, um, at the Bob Evans, I had dinner with my parents. And I was talking to Mom and Dad, and they said, So how are things going? How's this, you know, have you heard from Stephanie? Are you still thinking about her? And I said, yeah, and you know what? At Bob Evans, now, I love Bob Evans. I love their pancakes and their biscuits and gravy. I can throw down on some of that. And I was sick to my stomach. I could not eat because I was constantly thinking about this woman. And I was talking to Mom and Dad, and Mom looked at me, and she said, Brock, I have a feeling that you're in love with this woman. And that's almost what I needed to hear. And my point in telling you this whole story is this. Whenever I realized that she was the one for me right there at Bob Evans, I had to see her that day. Not the next day, not the next week. I had to see her. I didn't care where she was. I didn't care where I had to go. I didn't care what I had to do. I had to go after her. I was consumed with that. There wasn't anything that I wouldn't do just to... Find her again. I think if we can grasp that thought, I think this is what Jesus was trying to say to us in this passage. The longer I thought about Luke 9.23, the more I think Jesus is trying to say to all of us, look, if you want to be a part of me, If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be in my presence, there wasn't anything that I want to do just to be in Stephanie's presence. The Jesus is saying, if you want to be in my presence, if you want to be in a relationship with me, I'm not going to make you do it. You have to want it. Child, you have to intentionally come after me. Church, I can't think of a better way to go into 2017 than to come after our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of you may be saying, now wait a minute, Pastor, I thought God sent Jesus to come after us. Which I would say, yes, He did. God came after you and me. Do you know that? Do you realize that He did come after us? God sent His Son. God so loved the world that He gave. God so loved the world that He sent His Son to come after us. Just so that we could have a relationship with Him. But that was God's side of the equation. And we all know that this relationship takes two. That was His side. It's a two-way street. You and I and all of mankind have a choice to make as well. We're either going to follow Him or we're not. But God is not going to force this relationship on anyone. This truth is clearly seen in an event in the, in the backdrop of an event of one of Jesus' most famous miracles. Because the word of Jesus' healing power spread through the land like gangbusters, everywhere he went, he drew large crowds. John 6, 1-2 says, Then a great multitude followed him, 
because they saw his signs which he had performed on those who were diseased. We know this story all too well. There were 5,000 men who were standing before Jesus and the twelve. And it was time to eat. Then Jesus makes the most preposterous statement. He looks at his uh, twelve around him and he says, you feed them. Can you imagine that? You feed them. Um, I remember years ago, of course it was on a greater scale, but he would have done it anyways. Um, What is, okay, just left me. What is the, uh, um, the movement years ago? Promise Keepers. Some of you guys remember Promise Keepers from years ago? Uh, okay, some of you may have gone to that. Um, I remember going to one or two of those. I think one was in uh, Three River Stadium, or I, f- I forget, it was one of the arenas. I mean, we're talking 30,000, 40,000 guys, and afterwards, they fed every guy. I can't imagine coming up with meals like that. But here we are, and the experts say that it says 5,000 men, but whenever there are, it says men, there's probably some women, there were children around. So it very easily could have been six, seven, eight thousand people. And Jesus looked at his 12, and he said, you feed them. And you can imagine their response. Uh, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're all we have here are just you know, five loaves of bread and two fish. And that's, that's not even going to come close, Jesus. I don't know what you're thinking here. We know what happened. Jesus said, have them sit down. And he broke the bread and the fish. And it says when they were done eating, they still had 12 basketfuls left over. One of the greatest events, the greatest miracles they had ever seen. Jesus' appeal had just gotten even greater. Not only could he heal diseases, not only could he put those pious, arrogant religious leaders in their place, he was saying things to them that we wish that we could say. Not only can he can do that, but now he can create an all-you-can-eat buffet at will. This coming Friday is a very historic day. It's the inauguration of soon-to-be President Trump. At this point in history, Jesus was so popular that he could have been inaugurated president right there on the spot. Actually, uh, the 15th verse in John chapter 6 says that they tried to make him king right then and there. But he had to get away from them because he did not want to be king. But he was so popular, he was riding high. No candidate could have even come close to challenging him if he wanted to be president. But then something happened. There was a turning point in this story. Something happened the next day that changed everything. The next day they found Jesus and they wanted Jesus to give them more free food. But he began to respond to them by saying things like this. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. What do you think happened next whenever he began to say these things? John chapter 6 verse 60 says this. Many of his disciples said, 
This is a very is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? In 66, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. All of a sudden, this huge crowd did not know what to do with these statements. This man whom they had put all their hopes and dreams in, this man who they had believed was the Messiah and who just might be able to conquer the Romans, this man has just revealed that he's a lunatic. Probably even a phony. You see, when Jesus stopped giving them free food, when he stopped saying and doing the things that became popular, when life got a little tough, many stopped following Jesus. They took off their political party hats. They removed their presidential pins that they probably wore on their lapel. They took down their banners that said, let's make Israel great again. I don't know if that's what he said or not, but you can imagine. Their homemade signs that says, Jesus for president. They took all that down and they went home. What's my point to this story? My point is found in verse 67 and 68, and it's on the screen. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and he asked, Are you going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? For you have the words that give eternal life. But here's my point. My point to all of this When Jesus looked at his disciples and said, what about you? Are you staying or are you leaving? Notice what Jesus did not do and did not say. To all those people who had just left, he didn't go after them. Get that? Jesus did not go after them. He did not try to appease his supporters. He looked at the twelve and said, what about you? You see, this relationship with Jesus will require everything that we have and we are the ones who need to pursue it with Jesus because it involves our heart. Jesus already gave his heart. Jesus already gave all he had to give when he died on the cross. His part was done. Now you and I have to pursue it. What a way to go into 2017 to pursue, to come after Jesus. You know, there have been times in my ministry, my preaching ministry, to where I've heard that there's been some people that have visited, or I don't know their actual standing necessarily, and and they've left because they didn't like something that I preached. And I never go after those people necessarily. If they want to talk or if they want to have a conversation, we can sit down and open the Word of God. I'm more than happy to do that, but I never apologize for the truths of God's Word. Sometimes it might offend. I don't go after that. 
Jesus didn't go after. And the question that I pose to you and me today, how bad do we want Jesus? Do we want a relationship with him to the point that we'll do whatever it takes to have him? We'll do whatever it takes to have a more powerful experience in the presence of the Almighty. Will we pursue him? Will we go after him? Will we seek him? Will we come after I told this illustration uh, to, uh, in an elder meeting several, several months ago, but I'll tell it to you today because I think it illustrates. You all know this guy right here. Um, the great uh, coach of Ohio State football, Woody Hayes. Um, there is a story about Woody Hayes back when he was coaching that there were two assistants who were at the facility and, and if you know anything about Woody Hayes, you know that he was um, incredibly tough, very determined. He wouldn't stop at anything just to win. So these two assistants were standing in the window of the facility, and they saw Coach Hayes. They, he pulled up in the parking lot. And um, the parking lot was full. There was only one spot left, and they saw him kind of soak around the parking lot. And, um, and they, they saw him find this one remaining spot. And he pulled in ever so gently and carefully into this last spot. But it was so tight, it was so narrow, that he, he couldn't get out of the car. The, uh, if you open the doors, it would, Jesus had a couple inches on, the, on every side, so they're thinking, what is he going to do? So they saw him, he slowly backed the car out, had it right in front of the parking spot, and he got out of his car. And he proceeded to walk to the back of the car, and he put his hands on the trunk, and he pushed the car back into the parking spot. He wasn't going to allow anything to keep from, from getting that spot. What is my point to this? When you want something bad enough, you'll go after it. You'll do whatever it takes. No space is too narrow. No effort is too great. No obstacle is too difficult to where you will not find a way. And again, church, what a way to enter into 2017 than to go after Jesus. I can't make you want to go after Jesus. You can't make me want to go after Jesus. Either we want it or we don't heard somebody say, and I've said before, you will have as much of Jesus as you want. He will let you have as much of him as you want to have. To be determined to have all of him, to not allow anyone or anything to keep you from coming after Jesus. In church, this is a choice. For some of you, this may mean eliminating some things that you know are keeping you from coming after him. For others, it might be beginning or starting some things. Others, it might be just adjusting your schedule, your priorities, your to-do list. It will mean giving more and taking less. 
Instead of asking what is the safe thing to do, it's time to start asking what does God want me to do. Starting next week, I'm going to talk about ten ways that we can come after Jesus. Ten ways that in our everyday practical lives that we can start coming after Jesus. You know, it's, it's a little vague, just, Pastor, what does that mean? How do I come after? How do I go after Jesus? Come back and we'll pursue that even more. Biblical commentator William Barclay said this, Christians must realize that life is to be given, not to keep for themselves, but to spend for others. Not to nurture its flame, but to burn it out for Christ and for others. And I'm through. How's that for the first message of 2017? Mandy and Joyce or whoever's going to be doing music, you can come up at this time. Oh, I pray that that is your desire this morning. We all get passionate about certain things in our life. Just check out our calendars and our pocketbooks and we can see what has priority in our life. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, Let's come after Jesus in 2017. Would you bow your heads, please? Jesus. Mm. Oh, there's many messages I probably could have preached. And but Lord, um, what matters most is our relationship with you. And God, if we were honest with ourselves, I'm sure there are probably some here today that would have to admit they've not been coming after you. They've not been aggressively pursuing this relationship with you. It's not going to come natural. Nothing worthwhile in life comes easy. But God, I pray that as we conclude our service today, that we would all be filled with a sense of urgency with a sense of realizing only those things that are, done, that are done for Christ will last. Father, there are tragedies all around us and, and life is taken just like that. And those are not the times to say, I wish I would have. But Lord, we have an opportunity this morning right here and now to pursue you to pursue you in a way that we never have before, to pursue you, to come after you, to go after you as unlike we have in 2016. Father, would you awaken our spirits? Would you awaken our hearts? Father, I believe that there are some here this morning who have been going after you. God, I pray that they would continue to do that. I pray that they would continue on to newer and greater heights and experience with you, Lord. We cannot, we will never be able to experience all that there is in your presence. All that there is to experience with you, God, we'll never be able to experience it all this side of heaven. But, oh God, that we would pursue it, that we would go after it. Lord, oh, how our life 
and how the life of our church and how the life of your church, Big C, will change as we come after you. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen.